So when the city of New York declared that they uh, captured the suspect at the N Street shooting, I think that was Sunset Park? The problem is uh, real, it's not imagined. Um, listen to Michael Goodwin, uh, he's an author, columnist. I don't know if it's New York Daily News, New York Post, or The Times. Anyway, one of those three. But Goodwin talked with uh, Lydia Serrani and uh, some of the other guys over at WBC, and I was listening to it while I was, you know, waiting to go out. And uh, it pretty much took a lot of the points a lot of people raise about what is wrong and what needs to be done in the city. Give it a listen. Here's Michael Goodwin. So uh, there are the most serious and frightening, and then there's this daily drip, drip, drip of violence and, and, and theft that I think is just out of control. And uh, the governor and the mayor, I think, have all been saying the right things, but they haven't clearly done enough yet. I mean, as I say in the piece, to me, enough will be when the cops know that the politicians have their backs. And the perps know that the politicians have the backs of the cops. Then the cops can do their jobs, which we know they know how to do. Uh, and, and, and the political and the criminal class will, will get the message that this is serious and you're, there are going to be consequences. And then their behavior will change. I mean, but we're a long way from that because there's just so many doubts now about the politicians the cops don't trust them by and large the cops don't believe the pauls will have their backs and the, and the perps know they can get away with it all if they get arrested the judges will be forced to release them so i just think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in convincing every step of the process that this time is different and that ha we haven't arrived there yet and the shooting was pretty horrific 29 people entered, 10 of whom were shot. And of the 10 who were shot, three were women, seven were men. Many of the other victims were either trampled, injured, stepped on, uh, smoke inhalation, a lot of other issues that uh, took place during the attack. Now, the attack, of course, is something that, you know, people have been discussing and trying to figure out what was the motive for uh, Frank James in his attack. And how bad was it? Well, at Cox here, well, it should be different. Uh, Mayor Adams was elected primarily on the safety theme. So, and he's been pushing it hard. So why doesn't that give more confidence in, uh, in the people, in what's, what's going on in the direction it's gonna be going? And Michael Goodwin, I want you to take a listen to hear what Mayor Adams said uh, last night regarding BLM and he couldn't be more right and I think he needs lawmakers to back him up. Take a listen. Why are 16, 17, and 18 year olds out in our streets armed with guns 12, 1 o'clock at night? 
When are we going to start asking these serious questions? If Black Lives Matter, then the thousands of people I saw on the street when Floyd was murdered should be on the street right now stating that the lives of these black children that are dying every night matters. We can't be hypocrites. Wow. Yeah. No, he's... uh He's he's on to something there. That's obviously the right position that, you know, who is being killed? It, it, it's black and, and brown New Yorkers. That's who are the victims and that's who are primarily the perpetrators. Uh, but as he says, where are the demonstrations? Where where are where are those people who, you know, wanted to defund the police and everything? Why aren't they out there protesting these murders? Uh, so he's... To, to, to your to your question, Ed, I think that it's going to take time. It's going to take some time for these measures to take hold. The anti-gun units, for example, for for the judge for the whole bail system to be clearly fixed and where people believe and the cops believe that somebody they arrest is not going to be back out on the street while they're still filling out paperwork. Uh, I just think there are steps in this process that are not convinced about this mayor and this governor. I, I believe they're doing the right things, but they have not yet done the things that will change this culture that has developed over the last three years. Well, one of the things that was talked about earlier today is how one of the problems with the train system uh, here in New York City is, is that many of the trains, um, essentially are not easy to go between car and car. Uh, there are particular models of train cars that essentially were not part of the original system design so that when the train goes around a curve, um, you have a situation where a person could possibly fall off. So what do they do? They lock the doors between the trains. What does that sound like when, 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 when there's a commotion? Like a crazy guy shooting people inside a train well kind of sounds like this it's not see this is a person trying to open the door so the other people on the train can get to another car and get away from the violence that was taking place two cars away, but the doors between the cars are locked. And, and, and you can hear what he says, you know. I mean, obviously it's not nice, but it's what it says. What was it like with the shooting? everywhere about what what this issue involves uh, you know one of the things that I've always uh, felt was a very important part of it was of course uh, out of wedlock births uh, you know you've got roughly 70 percent uh, uh, of black uh, babies being born out of wedlock you've got overall in the city and the state now I believe in the state it's something like 45 percent uh, of total babies are born out of wedlock I mean so you just have these basically these households that do not function as a nuclear family I mean if 
the chances of, of a couple staying together uh, once they've had a child without being married are slim. I mean, it does happen. And look, I don't mean to diminish these single mothers who are heroes in many, many cases, uh, but, the, but the statistics don't lie that being raised without, you know, being raised in a single parent household uh, is something of a disability when it comes to school, when it comes to behavior. I mean, Tony Dungy, the uh, former football coach and now a broadcaster, has talked about this issue a lot. And he So, you know, you, you, can, you can obviously hear what's going on there. You know, these are people trying to get out. And a lot of these videos are slowly disappearing online. Uh, there's this kind of cancel culture that says, oh, we don't want people to live in fear, so let's not let them see what things are like. When I was a journalist, uh, well, I still am a journalist of sorts. Yeah, I'm blind. I do podcasts now. I don't exactly do what I used to do. Um, but when, 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 when I was doing um, broadcast journalism, one of my roles was to go in and, and do reports on things like this. And this is what, you know, what exactly happened. Uh, we, we, we got to see things in the raw. That's a train pulling into the station. People are reacting to the possible gunmen getting out. And the people who are wounded start falling out of the train. You know, as this is going on. This is, this is what you're hearing. This is what you, you know, those of you who've seen this video, this is what you'll be seeing. You know, it's hard for a commuter. I was just on a train with my 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 uh, my kindergartner niece, my uh, brother, my sister-in-law, and one of my sons, and we went out to dinner here in New York City. We were on the seven train, and you could see the expression on people's faces because it was one EDP, one guy who was just kind of like spaced out and doing whatever he was doing to himself underneath his pants with his hands under there. And, and there really wasn't much anyone could do. I mean, you know, there wasn't really much anyone could, could do because this guy was just acting out and doing whatever. And that's just the way it is now in New York City. You know, back in the day, somebody does that, there's going to be somebody who just, you know, sweeps them off their feet and throws them out of the car and says, hey, you know, get out of here. You know, two or three guys will just man up and stand up and say, hey, enough. You know? Go do that somewhere else. But people don't do that anymore. You know why? Because if you try and do that in many cases, the district attorneys of the city and the assistant district attorneys of the city will probably sue you. Even though you are the victim, you are trying to protect people from the abuse that is going on for many of these people who these same prosecutors and district attorneys refuse to prosecute, refuse to put behind bars, refuse to give punishment for the crimes that these people do. And that's just the reality of it all. I want you to listen to this. This was an interview a little while ago by Lydia Serrano and uh, John Casamitidis on uh, 77 WABC. They were talking to some guests uh, and how they describe what was going on and what they're seeing here in the city. Listen in.
Mike, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Let me point out to you the so-called changes to the bail reform law and the, uh, the adult prosecution age and other discovery issues. They really weren't touched in this budget. That's number one. They just did a little bit of window dressing to try to politically right. to cover it up. That's number one. Number two, they were already pushing on the state bill in the state legislature to uh, abolish the qualified immunity protection for police officers, the same kind of idiocy that the New York City Council passed. They now want to do this statewide. So the messaging there is they still haven't gotten the truth out, which is that we're under siege. There's a lawless community out there, and we have to do something to protect civilization. And Michael Goodwin, except for the New York Post, and you have Fox News, and of course WABC, no one else is sounding the alarm for what is really going on. Could you imagine if Frank James, a subway alleged, excuse me, subway shooter, had been a Trump supporter? Could you imagine that? They'd be talking about it nonstop. Nobody's even talking about the fact that he was racist. Nobody's talking about the fact that he was a black nationalist, that he was a BLM supporter, a supporter of the Black Liberation Association or whatever the heck is going on. Until we face the truth of what is really going on, we can't solve the problem. Right, Michael? So as you were saying, it's Frank James only to start. We see the precursor of it. You gotta remember, this is a guy who had probably a few dozen, maybe 50 videos I saw on at least three different sites. And it's just on YouTube. Goodness knows what he's got on Twitter, Facebook, uh, other places under different names. Oh, and he's fond of moving like his name around. You know, different versions of the spelling, different versions of the identities that he uses. So he knows what he's doing. You know, and obviously he learned this somewhere. We know he has nine prior arrests. We know he's had arrests in Philadelphia. He's had arrests in Ohio. Uh, we, know, we know he's had arrests in a lot of different places um, for, for different things. Now, arrests are not convictions. You gotta be careful there. Just because someone is arrested doesn't necessarily mean they've been convicted. So that the cases prosper through. That's another question that nobody asks. Okay, so he was arrested nine times, ten times. Was he ever convicted? Because that's a question that should be asked in the next press conference. You know, uh, did he serve time? Doesn't seem to be. Because if he did some of the things that he was accused of, and he served no jail time, what was he doing outside? When the case is dropped? Was he ordered released? Is he one of those who was pardoned, paroled? See, these are questions that need to be asked. And these are questions that need to be asked. In the meantime, I'll take you to the press conference that took place after his arrest. Actually, it's kind of a pet peeve with me because he wasn't really arrested, arrested. And he wasn't really nabbed by police work. He was, in a way, yes. But he also called 911 and was turning himself in. So there's a lot of questions there. Yes, there are two people who said, oh, we cited him, we called 911. Well, they called a tip line, you know, for, for uh, tips. Uh, the, uh, the Crime Stoppers hotline. But it was also him who called it in. So there's a lot of questions there. Anyhow, uh, the important thing is, did he get caught? 
you would now face terrorism charges. You probably put up a defense. It centers on, you know, mental illness, that type of thing. He says that he was a victim of mental illness programs. Let's see. Maybe that's why he was, you don't know too much about his convictions. I'm Michael New York. We'll leave you here at the end of that press conference. I'm going to come back with more. Talk to you. I'm John Miller, Deputy Commissioner for Intelligence and Counterterrorism of the New York City Police Department. Uh, with me, Police Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell, Chief of Detectives James Essig, uh, Breon Peace, the United States Attorney for the Eastern District of New York, Mike Driscoll, the Assistant Director in Charge of the FBI's New York office, uh, John DeVito, Special Agent in Charge, ATF. Uh, these are the partners who have been working with us from the first moment of this incident, and we have important information to transmit today. First, uh, we'd like to go to the mayor, live from Gracie Mansion. now, Police Commissioner of the City of New York, Keyshawn Sewell. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for being here. I am truly fortunate to stand here among these extraordinary investigators and federal partners to make this announcement. Moments ago, Frank Robert James was stopped on the street and arrested by members of the New York City Police Department. Officers, in response to a Crime Stoppers tip, stopped Mr. James at 1.42 p.m. at the corner of St. Mark's Place and First Avenue in Manhattan. He was taken into custody without incident and has been transported to an NYPD facility. He will be charged with committing yesterday's appalling crime in Brooklyn. I want to commend all of the investigators and analysts who took part in this all-hands-on-deck investigation. Literally, hundreds of NYPD detectives worked doggedly during the last 30 hours to bring this together. They did so in tandem with a vast number of our law enforcement partners, including those from the FBI-NYPD Joint Terrorism Task Force, the ATF-NYPD Crime Gun Intelligence Center, and the Regional Task Force led by the United States Marshal Service.
We hope this arrest brings some solace to the victims and the people of the city of New York. We used every resource at our disposal to gather and process significant evidence that directly links Mr. James to the shooting. We were able to shrink his world quickly. There was nowhere left for him to run. I'd like to turn it over to Chief James Essex for details of the investigation. Good afternoon, everybody. I'd like to update the public on yesterday's incident on the subway in Brooklyn on the Manhattan-bound end train. Through the course of this investigation, we developed additional information and evidence. Mr. Frank James, our person of interest, now became a wanted individual for yesterday's horrific incident. Mr. James is a male 62 years old. He is known to us and has ties in Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York City. His arrest history in New York is nine prior arrests dating from 1992 to 1998. Those include possession of burglary tools four times, criminal sex act, theft of service two times. He was arrested on a New Jersey warrant. He also has a criminal tampering. He has three arrests in New Jersey, 1991, 1992, and 2007. They are for trespass, larceny, and disorderly conduct. Yesterday, we recovered video of him prior to the incident entering the Kings Highway subway station. He has the same black cart that he has later recovered on the crime scene. The pictures are to my right over here. This station is available electronically um, after this. This station is three blocks from where we recovered the U-Haul truck that he rented in Philadelphia. The key to that truck was recovered at the crime scene. This jacket, the distinctive orange jacket, was also recovered, as well as his construction helmet he was wearing, and we, we recovered that in a garbage uh, bin in transit. We believe, but this is still early in the investigation, that after firing his weapon 33 times at innocent New York City subway riders, Mr. James boarded an R train that had pulled into the station went one stop up and exited at 25th Street Station. We also have a picture of that. The gun used in this, a nine millimeter Glock, which was recovered at this crime scene, was bought, was purchased by Mr. James in 2011 in Ohio. We tracked Mr. James and his last known whereabouts was 7th Avenue and 9th Street in Park Slope, entering the subway. Minutes ago, thankfully, NYPD patrol officers from the 9th Precinct responded to St. Mark's and 1st Avenue where they apprehended him without incident. This case was quickly solved using technology, video canvassing, and then getting that information out to the public. So I can't speak highly enough of the partners we had, the FBI, Mike Driscoll, ATF, John DeVito, U.S. Uh, district Attorney from Easton, uh, Breon Peace, uh, and, and the coordination and the, uh, within the Detective Bureau, 
Tommy Galati from Intel, our Transit Bureau, our Patrol Services Bureau. Uh, phenomenal job, less than 30 hours later to arrest this individual. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to Brianne Peace. Good afternoon. Thank you. Yesterday was a dark day for all of us, but the bright spots of the incredible heroism of our fellow New Yorkers helping each other in a time of crisis, the quick response by our first responders, and the hard work by all of our law enforcement partners that has been ongoing is truly uh, a bright spot here. Today, uh, Frank James has been charged by complaint in Brooklyn Federal Court with one count of violating 18 U.S.C. sections 1992 A7 and B1, which prohibits terrorist and other violent attacks against mass transportation systems. He has been apprehended. He will be arraigned in federal court in Brooklyn, and if convicted, he will face a sentence of up to life imprisonment. My office is prepared to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that on April 12th, 2022 in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, in the Eastern District of New York, Frank James did knowingly and without lawful authority and permission commit an act, including the use of a dangerous weapon with the intent to cause death and serious bodily injury to passengers and MTA employees on the New York City subway system. The government will prove, among other things, that James traveled across state lines in order to commit the offense and transported materials across a state line in aid of the commission of the offense. We in the Eastern District of New York U.S. Attorney's Office are working closely with all of our law enforcement partners, the FBI, NYPD, ATF, U.S. Marshal Service, and others, including the Kings County District Attorney's Office. And my office and our law enforcement partners will use every tool at our disposal uh, to bring this individual justice and bring justice to New Yorkers and restore safety and peace of mind to all. And we'll continue to do so as this case proceeds. Thank you. Good afternoon, and thank you all for being here today. As Mr. Peace just discussed, Mr. James is now facing a federal charge for his actions a terrorist attack on mass transit. We have two ways that you can get in contact with us because I want to be very clear that this is still an ongoing investigation. If you have additional information regarding Mr. James's activity or if you have digital information, please reach out to us. Contact the FBI, 1-800-CALL-FBI, or you can provide digital media through fbi.gov slash Brooklyn shooting. We need to hear from you so we can fully understand all the events that have occurred over the last 30 hours. It's crucial that we receive the assistance of the public as we piece this case together. There has been some reports that FBI holdings to date um, had a tie to Mr. James. I want to be very clear that to date we have found no record of an investigation of Frank R. James by an FBI office before the shooting yesterday. Reports that FBI's New Mexico field office previously investigated him are inaccurate. I want to thank our partners in this case, the NYPD, the ATF, the U.S. Marshals, and the U.S. Attorney's Office, 
and all the members of the FBI-NYPD Joint Terrorism Task Force. We've had such a tremendous response from all of our partners in this case that have led us to this moment now. I also want to take a quick moment to highlight the work of the JTTF. I'm fortunate I get to work with them every day. It's truly an outstanding group of people, led by SAC Kerry Farley, who's, who spearheaded this investigation. They've done an outstanding job on this, as they have every time New York has faced a threat of this nature. So thank you, and I'd like to turn it over to John DeVito from the ATF. Good afternoon, everyone. Again, my name is John DeVito. I'm a special agent in charge for ATF here in New York State. Uh, one of the key points that uh, ADIC uh, Driscoll pointed out was that we could not have done this without the public's help. First, let me say our thoughts and prayers and actions for the past two days have been with the victims as well as all New Yorkers. The men and women of ATF have been working side by side with NYPD, FDNY, Marshals, FBI to solve this heinous crime which we have. Immediately after the attack, New York City Crime Gun Intelligence Center, or CJIC, which is a unit of, comprised of highly skilled analysts, investigators from ATF, NYPD, as well as a myriad of other vital partners, whose sole purpose is to collect, analyze, and disseminate actionable intelligence regarding gun violence. Just imagine a team of dedicated professionals exploiting every nugget of intel from gun violence, the firearms, and then weaponizing that information to use it against the people that are terrorizing our communities. That's your CJ. The timeline on this gun's life spans 16 years in five states. And I'm very proud to say that late yesterday evening, about 12 hours after this attack, ATF agents were able to close the loop on that extensive time span and determined that Frank James purchased said firearm from a federal firearms licensee in Ohio in 2011. So essentially, we tied that gun, utilizing the shooting, to our target, and now we have our target in custody. Thank you. Okay, uh, we're going to be in that we've told you almost everything we have to say, able to answer some very limited questions. Uh, Tina. Uh, people have floated on the crime topics, but there's a report that called themselves There was a person who called Crime Stoppers. We're reviewing who exactly made that call. I think first and foremost, we were looking to get this guy off the street before he did any any more carnage, brought any more carnage to the city. As to the investigation into the motive and to look and scour his social media, uh, that's still part of the ongoing investigation. But again, first and foremost, we wanted to take him off the street. The investigation is continuing into the motive, into his social media postings. Uh, that was 9.15 yesterday. So the incident occurs at 8.24. So he leaves, he exits the 25th Street Station House shortly after 8.24. The R train pulls in. We catch him next going into a park slope on 7th Avenue and 9th Street at uh, 9.15, and then we grab him today. 
but we had literally hundreds of detectives out scouring video throughout the crime scene and beyond. And so this is 9 a.m.? Excuse me? 9 a.m.? Yes, that was him. Yeah, uh, yesterday at 9.15. All right, uh, Mark. And do you have any idea where he was previously today? Any ideas on his whereabouts? Was he being tracked in any way? Did he say anything when he was arrested? No, his, his arrest was just literally minutes ago. Uh, so we haven't even, we just arrived at the, the precinct shortly. Uh, as to his whereabouts, that's part of the investigation. Detectives are out going through uh, video canvases, and we're going to backtrack that, and that will take literally weeks. Okay. Um, a two-part question. The first is, did the NYPD previous to yesterday's attack have any um, complaints, or did they look into any of the cameras being out, not just at 36th Street, but at 45th and 25th? And additionally, is there any indication that um, Mr. James was going to do any more attacks in New York City? Well, when we get back to the cameras, yeah, as far as them doing, doing any more attacks, that's again, that's part of the investigation. Our main focus was to take him off the street immediately. And do you know how? Uh, uh, go ahead. Do you know how he purchased the gun if he had a criminal record? You, you, you can't have a felony conviction to purchase the gun, so he had no felony convictions. Okay, New York one. Um, how are you? Hi. Has the mayor's uh, security detail been returned to its typical size and scope? We're not going to discuss that. Uh, Julia Fox. Yes, can you take us from the Crime Stopper tip to the arrest? What happened in between? How was he located? And the Crime Stopper tip today? Yeah. The, yeah, go ahead. Hi, Julia. Good afternoon. Crime Stopper tip comes in, reports that the mail is in the McDonald's on 6th Street and, and 1st Avenue in the 9th Precinct down on the Lower East Side in East Village. Officers respond to the McDonald's. He's not in the McDonald's. They start driving around the neighborhood looking for him. They see him on the corner of St. Mark's and First, and they take him into custody. He, no incident and take him into custody. Yeah, so the, the camera systems in the, in the subway system are not NYPD cameras. They're, they're owned and maintained by the MTA. We have access to them. We do regularly look and see which cameras are working, which ones are not, but the responsibility for those cameras belongs to the MTA. Uh, Tom. Are uh, you going to make the officers who made the apprehension available? Are you going to verify them? Not at this time. If we do, we'll let you know. witnesses on the train who said he was sitting in the back corner of the second car uh, and he popped uh, the smoke grenade and we have one witness who says uh, what, did, what did you do he goes oops and then he pops the two brandishes the firearm and fires 33 times that that we are in the process and we are asking for anybody's help who was on that subway train or on that platform to reach out to uh, to the uh, Crime Stoppers at 1-800-877-TIPS with any information. We're still looking for witnesses 
and anybody who has information who was on the scene. Okay, New York Times. Our crime scene is still processing that scene. It goes to the lab and they'll give us a report. That's, it's still very early in the investigation for that. All right, uh, Tony? Uh, one question. All right. Uh, okay, go ahead. Uh, the statute being held under, uh, that requires no nexus to any foreign terrorism. This is, in its own, it's a discrete charge. That's correct. The, the, the statute is, um, titled Terrorism and Other Violent Attacks in Mass Transportation. So if there's a federal interest, of course, in protecting mass transportation hubs uh, and infrastructure, and so that's the jurisdiction, but we, we, we're not going to comment further on we're still investigating the motive and things like that, so can't comment further. All right, last question to Juliet. That's going to be part of the investigation as well, so we were not able to speak to that at this moment. So after his arrest in the 90s, and then did he like disappear? Did he not in New York City anymore? That's part of our investigation as well, Julie. Thank you. You're the, the last, last question. Thank you. I'm wondering if there's, uh, do we have any motive in terms of Sunset Park, why Sunset Park, or was it random? No. No idea. No so idea. Uh, just to close, we also want to acknowledge um, our partners, sometimes jousting partners in the media, um, for putting all these pictures out, for spreading um, uh, this story from the time we did the press conference yesterday. That was a critical effect on raising the kind of public awareness that, as the, com as the commissioner said, uh, was able to give him very few choices um, in terms of where to go. So we appreciate your efforts as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome.